Hello, I'm Joni Martin, and this is Cloud TNT with Tim Lockie and Tracy Kronzak. Cloud TNT is a community project launched by Now It Matters and TK Endeavors, and of course, the three of us, to discuss relevant issues facing nonprofits using Salesforce. We'll be covering topics that apply to organizations of all sizes, but focusing on the tools and strategies for small and mighty organizations, like the Nonprofit Success Pack and their own ingenuity. We're so glad you joined us today for our broadcast. It's a beautiful day, cloudy with a chance of dynamite. Welcome to the show today, Tracy and Tim. How's it going? Hi. <laughs> I don't know what to say after that. I don't know why. Sorry, I just got like hypnotized by like Joni's. I just got hypnotized by Joni's soothing dulcet tones. <laughs> well, and and she's she's so good about saying nonprofit success pack. Because, you know, every time I say it, I still go to starter. And then it comes yeah. out as like, you know, anyway, it's bad. No, whatever you do, don't pronounce the acronym because I did that once and it just doesn't sound right. I'll just say that. I'm imagining it and I can't, I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. I don't even know what con or what vowels to put in there. So. Two letter eyes. Okay, never mind. <laughs> I don't, you know what? I can't believe I chased that. Like you put it out there. And told me. I, I oh, it's it. right down the rabbit hole. We have some really exciting and wonderful news items before we get to our guest today. One of them is a sad announcement. Um, the Force.com developer certification has been cremated. I think deprecated, but it's probably the same thing. But I'm reading the email right now. It says, what does this mean for you? As of February 1, 2017, starting with the Winter 17 release cycle, if you are a Salesforce.com certified Forced.com developer, you can maintain your credential until the next annual maintenance fee is due. However, when that time comes, you will not be able to renew your maintenance and your Force.com developer credential will expire. You will be able to transition to the Salesforce Certified Platform App Builder credential, even if your Force.com developer credential expires. Uh, and then it goes on to point out that the Platform App Builder has a transition exam, and if you are an advanced developer, you can transition or take the Platform Developer 1 and 2 credentials. So there you go. Transition exams are available until March 30. Is, it, is the Platform Developer as good as the Force.com Developer certification, or is it like half of a Force.com Developer certification? It's like four-fifths of one. I think, oh. you know, what the Force.com developer certification had in it was a lot more information pertinent to the use and creation of Visual Force, which the platform app builder takes out, but it adds in its own thing, which is, you know, that extra 20% that it removed um, gets re-added with, like, business process to application design mapping. Um, so the questions on the transition exam are actually, they'll make you think a little bit about, like, oh, when and why would I use this? It's actually a helpful certification. The difference, however, is that, of course it does no longer count towards anything in the partnership program with salesforce.com. I see. Is it a professional? So if you are, if you have the app builder, are you uh, considered a professional certified yeah. professional? Okay. Yep. Yep. All right. Yep. It's just the admin. If you have just an admin, then you're not. So yeah, you yes, are. you are. You're still a professional. You're still a certified you don't professional. You have to have, Dude, you a don't have to be like everything to everything. Wow. Go, go ahead. Form a line. Form a line. Go get bats and sticks. I have no idea what I said that was wrong there, but there actually is a certified professional that I don't think uh, admin applies to. So maybe I'm wrong about that. And if I am, you can continue to hit me with sticks on the show. Beatings but. shall continue until morale improves. <laughs> I guess so. Right. So... Can Trailhead help you get your certification is my question. Yes, is my kind of answer. Um, Can it also <clears throat> help you get your MBA? 
Yes, is kind of my answer. Okay, <laughs> you're you're prompting me on the you're prompting me on the topic that stop laughing. Um, <laughs> you're prompting me on the topic I wanted to bring to the table, and that is that because I've been unemployed hashtag new job for Tracy. Um, in some of my free time, I've been looking at Trailhead from a variety of lenses, and. I think, you know, I announced this way back in the summertime because I was going to have some copious free time because I was unemployed, hashtag new job for Tracy. Um, But now that I've gone through it, here's some thoughts. One, what I love about Trailhead is that it's a very tactical learning tool. Um, It puts in front of you exactly that which you need to accomplish very specific tasks on the Salesforce platform. And it rewards you for that through like a bajillion, bajillion badges, which are actually becoming more and more fun to create. Now, I think you can use Salesforce to learn the tactical aspects of the certification exam where knowledge of the platform is going to be critical to the exam's success or failure. However, what it doesn't necessarily teach you is some of the more like business process to platform understanding. So, you know, for the certification exams, like, for example, certified sales cloud consultant, I could see very clearly inside of Trailhead where all of the this is how the platform behaves information is there. But what's missing is like information that would be relevant to the questions that that exam asks about like, when you have a marketing professional, and they're seeing these metrics, what would you do? And I think that's an important distinction for Trailhead is that Trailhead is really a tactical learning tool. Uh, And the experiment that I embarked upon was to actually look at Trailhead, not from the lens of like platform use, but from like, for lack of a broader way of describing it, life use. Um, So I started taking all the managerial related Trailheads. And that was back in, I don't know, July. Um, And I've taken a bunch now. Um, and they're fun. They're interesting in that each type of trailhead that I've taken, be it like great management or diversity and inclusion or, you know, storytelling or disruptive thinking, or, you know, there's, there's a lot of them on, on trailhead. What they're very successfully able to do is give me one more thing to think about when it comes to working with other people, working in large organizations, looking at systems of operation and looking at how people behave. And I think I found it like really illuminating from a very broad perspective of like, oh, I would have never thought of working with people in this way, or, oh, this is a great concept to think about when managing people or, oh, this is a really interesting viewpoint on how organizations, you know, particularly large organizations can produce innovative results. So that's been, you know, the study of some of my time. And I think it's an interesting tool. I don't think it's going to ever give me an MBA, even with the Drucker School stuff on there. But I do think it's going to give me a lot to think about when it comes to managing in the context of a contemporary organization. And that is valuable, if not, you know, valuable in a different way than an MBA would be. What are a couple, I mean, you you said some of the topics, but Mm -hmm. if, um, if listeners wanted to go and actually look up a, a trail, yeah, where, what would you recommend they start with? On this, you know, in this life, these life lessons of Trailhead. If you go to Trailhead, you know, trailhead.salesforce.com and you apply the filter business user for your role, you'll start seeing them. Mm. And that's the filter that will give you things like cultivate equality at work, which I think is a great one. Um, That's the filter that will give you things like innovation and storytelling. 
And, you know, if you, you have to kind of pick through some of them because I've found that the, you know, the trail filter and the module filter aren't quite perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, same thing goes for the module filter. If you go to the module filter and apply business user to the modules, you'll pull up like 150 different modules, everything from, you know, basic business performance metrics for you know, schools through the, our basic business metrics through the Drucker School to innovation project de- definition. There's a whole innovation project series that I think was really great. There's a whole equality series that I think is great. There are a bunch of series related to the V2 Mom, which I think is a very useful thought tool. Uh, there is a series around storytelling and communications. There is a series around public speaking. There is a series around great management. And I think all of these are topics that if you're looking for, you know, a place to just start thinking about how you want to work with people differently, these are great topics to think about. Um, and those are some of the ones that I've taken and, and really enjoyed, you know, and cool. I've walked away with like one thing to think about out of each of them. So if you look at it from that lens, then what you're giving yourself is another kind of tool in your tool belt when a situation comes up and you're like, oh, you know, I was thinking about that thing that I learned in the trailhead where it's like in this circumstance, what if I ask this question? You know, that's that's kind of what these give you from a sort of life and managerial skills perspective. And I think that soft skills being one of the things in the technology industry that's hard to capture or quantify all the time, these are a good stab at it. Yeah, thanks for shining some light on that. I, I think it's easy to think of Trailhead as a Salesforce platform learning tool only. Yes. So. Well, coming up in Salesforce Landia, You've got several events. I'm not attending any of them. Is anyone attending them? I was. I, I wanted to get out to Tahoe Dreaming, but um, I think Michelle from our team is co-hosting it, so she's going to be there, but I'm not. Oh, Michelle Regal, yes. Yes. Yeah. Trace, you're going to be there, right? You'll be at Tahoe. Uh, y- 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 yes, sure. I'll <laughs> say yes to that right now. I'm going to say okay. yes to that right now. As of today, which is you know, the middle of December, I am presenting at Tahoe Dreamin, doing a redux of a session that myself and Varied Mayer did last year around how to most efficaciously work with consultants as nonprofits and how as consultants to give yourself the tools to most efficaciously work with nonprofits. Um, so that's coming up in January. And then of course the N10 conference will be happening in March and safe Harbor. There's going to be a salesforce.org event immediately prior to that. Uh, you know, I'll let that emerge organically. I can't say more right now. And is it in DC this year? Yep. Well, is it awful to Very say good. it's at the Reagan Assassination Hotel because that's the hotel that the assassination attempt took place on Ronald Reagan? Yeah, I think you might have mentioned that earlier. Yeah, I don't think you should be saying that. I mean, um, will that get me like <laughs> put on a list or something? Yeah, I'm so, pretty sure that's going to get you put on a list. <laughs> okay. While we're talking about awesome things, next year's shows that have begun to be lined up are amazing. We're going to be talking about women and diversity and equality and new and awesome adventures and probably dinosaurs. And I want to put a plug here in at this time for something completely non sequitur. Mike Hotpence. Mike Hotpence is a man who is gay and he looks exactly like our vice president elect Mike Pence except he wears very short shorts underneath his suit coat. And he raises money for Planned Parenthood, the Natural Resources Defense Council, and the Trevor Project, as well as the International Refugee Assistance Project. And I think all of our listeners should follow him because he's amazing and everyone needs somebody to make them smile. So you can follow him at Mike Hot Pence. Hot Pence, get it? 
Hot pants. Oh, instead of hot pants. <laughs> <laughs> there I it wanted is. Tim to light up there on that is. one. I, I got it from the, yeah, anyhow, I wasn't going to say yeah. anything. No, I got it. I got it finally. Yeah, I, it's embarrassing how long it did take me to get it. What do I we did. call it when we use Twitter, Tim? No, we don't call it anything. <laughs> we just, we, we Twitter things out. <laughs> I can't believe you got me to say that once. It will never happen again. <laughs> Not only did I get you to say it uh, once, but I have the MP3 recording. I know. It is so bad. Other so things bad. you should follow that are coming to iTunes is an amazing new podcast that I had the opportunity to listen to two episodes of. It's called Herstory 101. It's all about really potentially crazy or just awesome, powerful women in history. My favorite episode so far is Blood Battery, but I'm going to let Tim introduce it because yeah. it's more Tim's project than mine. Well, I don't know. I It definitely is something I'm doing, but you guys have had a lot of, I, I would say that I wouldn't, I would not be doing Herstory 101 w if it weren't for you guys and oh. what I've learned from you. So um, that is not a stretch. So Herstory 101 is a project that my 14-year-old daughter and I are doing together. And so we've talked about um, my kids before. Alexina is really a, <laughs> she's already an activist. She, uh, Tracy, she just, you know, she she really <laughs> loves <laughs> hanging out and talking about you. Joni, I love uh, her. You she's know, amazing. She is really cool. And um, anyway, she she looks up to both of you. Anyway, oh. we at, at dinner and around and in the car and everywhere, she's always telling me about these crazy stories of women who never made history and are not going to make the Disney roll call. And so um, finally, she was telling me about that. And I just thought, what if what if she just told me about a woman in history? and um, and we just recorded it. And so that's all Herstory 101 is. It's just Alexina telling me about a woman in history and um, lots of dad jokes. And I I love it. It is very fun to do. And uh, so we're just kind of getting it up and rolling. There's uh, two, there are now three episodes released as of this afternoon. And um, so you can go check out the other one. We're on SoundCloud right now, but we will be publishing to iTunes early in the new year. Um, and okay. we'd love to hear feedback. We'd love to have people tell us who to listen uh, to next. And uh, yeah, that's Herstory 101. Okay, but there's a little more to it than that. Okay, right? Because where Alexina is getting this information from, in part, is a website called rejectedprincesses.com. Yep. And the gentleman who has this website, his name is Jason Porath, and he used to work on animated stuff, including How to Train Your Dragon 2, Kung Fu Panda 2, The Crudes, a couple of other things. And... He started this website, and the, and the stated purpose of the, his website is a blog celebrating women of history and myth who were too awesome, awful, or offbeat for the animated princess treatment of Hollywood. And he does all the artwork himself, and it's gorgeous. It is amazing artwork. It really is. And he just published a book. Yeah. Yeah. Tell, tell us about the book. Okay, so the book is Rejected Princesses, Volume 1. And should I, I... I don't think Alexine is going to hear this prior to Christmas. Do you? I mean, I, I don't no. know. Okay, so... Okay, I'm sitting down. One of the places that I do as an ancillary office here in San Francisco is a science fiction, fantasy, and mystery bookstore called Borderlands Books. It's been around for... I'm going to say maybe 15 plus years at this point, And they have now a cafe associated with the bookstore um, because they're nothing but science fiction, fantasy, and mystery. They get a lot of these authors in. So I was wrapping up work one night in the cafe, which is right next door to the bookstore. And there are these huge lines coming out of the bookstore 
And I said to one of the owners whom I've known for a long time, I was like, hey, what, what, what is this? And she said, oh, this is Jason Porath. And I was like, I die, die, Jason who? And she's like, he did this book called Rejected Princesses. And I was like, stop, just stop. There's a book that based on so that crazy. website. And she's like, yes. And I said to her, please, for the love of all things holy, I'm a sponsor of this bookstore. We've known each other for 15 years. you got to get this book autographed for a young friend of mine. And she did. She found the last copy available for sale because they keep selling out of the darn thing. She got the very last copy available for sale that night. And she got Jason Porath to autograph it for Alexina for the Christmas based on this, you know, podcast. So, which is awesome. It is under the tree and I am so excited for her to open it. It was so cool. I mean, you know, it was so amazing to get this string of texts from Tracy. Oh yeah. She went play by play through what was happening. It was so awesome. I was like, dude, you're like, I'm in my sanctum sanctum and you can't disturb me right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That was pretty Being cool. the time Nazi on this uh, show, I need to move us into our next segment. Oh, we have segments now. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Somebody's got to whip you guys into shape. <laughs> yes, please. Please give us boundaries. I am super excited about our guest, as usual, but this guest is particularly awesome. We had lunch uh, a while back. In San Francisco, um, because he had descended from his spaceship. Um, so Yoda is actually going to be uh, introducing our guest, and I will follow with my own introduction. Oh, hello. Introduce <laughs> you to community engagement specialists at salesforce.org. And Young, would I like? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> From sales, this role just over a year ago, she came into as educational counselor at a university and in workforce development. She spent 10 years prior, did she? Mm-hmm. A brief <laughs> stint in Los Angeles survived she working in entertainment and tech public relations mm-hmm. with her husband, Batman obsessed three year old daughter, and Mutt. Mm. Lives Anne in San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I sounded well, Irish yeah. for a minute. <laughs> hey, I like the uh, the exclamations I and the, the mm-hmm's at the so end are awesome. <laughs> um, Welcome to the show, Anne Young. For thank you. For those <laughs> who don't know who Anne is, which I feel like everyone knows who Anne is. She is a com- community engagement specialist at org, which basically means Tracy should mute herself until she finishes packing and, and manages the hub, which is our favorite place to be. Woohoo! So much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about this, and I'm glad I can now use my my regular voice. <laughs> I'd like nice. to use your regular voice the whole time. So I, I think, the, the I think internet. Oh, do the rest as Yoda? I don't think I could. <laughs> <laughs> the internet, of course, has a Yoda generator, so you can type in whatever you want to say, and then it will translate it into Yoda speak oh. for you. So oh, God, that was that was, that was helpful for me. <laughs> Does it have an Elvish generator? I'm sure it pretty much has an anything you want to generate generator. Wow. Are you recovered, Tracy? Yeah, that was... (laughs) The Heimlich? Yeah, no, I... Wow. My laptop is coated with, like, (laughs) lime juice. I'm, like, drooling. I was laughing so hard. That was remarkable. (laughs) That was one of the... I I think the best intro we've ever had. That was remarkable. (laughs) Well, I will thank my older brother who was obsessed with Star Wars as a child and made me watch the movies over and over and over again. So, uh, so how did you get started at Salesforce? I know you were an AE or in sales for like a second before you <laughs> took over the hub. 
I was actually, yes. So I worked uh, in nonprofit here in the Bay Area for about 10 years, uh, most recently at uh, Goodwill Industries, and I ran their workforce development programs. uh, And I worked with uh, Ryan Boyle, who is one of the AEs here at Salesforce.org. Um, awesome dude, good friend. And, um, after I had my daughter, who's now three, I took about a year off and was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next and got really interested in foundations and corporate philanthropy and kind of the larger impact that some of the big organizations here in the Bay area and all over the country and the world are making, um, and remembered that Ryan was here at salesforce.org, which was the foundation at the time. And we had lunch and he introduced me to some folks um, and, you know, pushed me toward the sales thing. He thought I would really be good at it. And um, it was a very unique challenge. And I did that for about a year and really enjoyed it, but uh, knew I wanted to do something that was a little more collaborative with the customers and with the partners and, um, you know, less focused on selling and more focused on the post-sale solutions and getting people and keeping people happy on Salesforce. So um, that's when I started talking to Alicia about, uh, you know, the CSG team and managing the hub. And I was a small, medium business uh, rep. So I worked with smaller customers who were in the hub all the time. So I knew what an impact it made and how awesome it was. And I feel very lucky to be a part of it now. So everyone knows that I spend a lot of time in the hub um, and in girl force in the hub. And I saw you post a link in the hub about this women's initiative meeting at Salesforce. And I didn't get to go because it was in person in San Francisco and y'all discriminate against those of us who live in Texas and can't get there. (laughs) But I was hoping you could give me like a recap of what that was all about. Yeah, unfortunately, I did not get to attend either. But uh, Regina Walton, who is a woman who's contracting with us and is um, actually a community manager on the dot com side, uh, was the one who initially posted about it and was like, yeah, get the word out to, you know, the dot org people and people that you thought would be interested. And I just thought Girl Force was the perfect place for this. But Basically, they got together a group of women that wanted to know kind of next steps. What should we do after the election? You know, what can we do to make an impact and get our voices to be heard? Um, So from what I know, they're working on building a list of resources, events, organizations um, that they can work with. And then you can add to that list. So I'll definitely post that list in the hub. Um, I think they're focusing kind of locally in uh, the Bay Area for now. But I think for moving from there, they wanted to do that. The organization that I believe they're called is Positive Impact. And they're actually having a holiday party tomorrow night here in San Francisco. So we will also, I, you probably can't make it to that either, Joni. <laughs> But it's at uh, Brigade here in San Francisco, and I'll post a link to that as well. But um, they seem like just a really cool, motivated group of women. And I think it was also a chance for people that were, you know, having feelings about the election to sit down and kind of sit with a group of like-minded people and and talk it out. Uh, And I think uh, it went really great. And I'm hoping to join them at, at one of their upcoming events soon. I've heard great things from Regina. So what does your day look like? I mean, you, you're always posting helpful stuff. I imagine that you just stare at the hub um, all day and watch the messages come through. But <laughs> is that really what you do? That is all day long. No, I have some other stuff. But yeah, I mean, I think of the hub as it's sort of my, my third child right now, my mutt, my actual child, and then the hub. So I guess I should put my is actual that, first. Is that Dean Martin what? in the hub? <laughs> no, Dean Martin is actually Joey Martin, who is one of our um, solution engineers. That's her dog. Oh, um, and he spent okay. a lot of time in what used to be puppy force in our old building. And he is far from a puppy. He's probably like 120 pounds or more. Oh, my gosh. He's, he's a big dog. But um, he's just the most lovable, sweet thing. And I just knew that if we needed a hug spokes dog, he was our guy. 
So um, that's we brought him on board a little over a year ago. So can you uh, say safe harbor? Safe harbor. <laughs> safe harbor. <laughs> but Puppy Force was awesome, and I, I guess that's true. You guys are in the 350 Mission Building now, not the one, not Salesforce West. You're in Salesforce East, and there's no Puppy Force in Salesforce there is East. No Puppy Force. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know what the plans are for that. Okay, but have you been to the have you been to the uh, crystal meditation rooms yet? I have not. I, they are like right here, but I, I've I've looked around and you know thought if I ever felt the need to meditate at work that it's nice that I have a space. We actually have an intern right now who is a high school student, and she has worked with her school. She took a, a meditation certification class, and she actually teaches meditation meditation to freshman students she's a senior to help them cope with you know the stress of high school which I think is just so cool and awesome Um, and especially to have your peers teaching you so I really want her to do a session with our team and get everybody kind of centered but of course we we never have the time to actually make that happen but I think we should we should try it I think that's an important value when it comes to you know understanding how at least I perceive Salesforce perceives its community, both on the .com and on the .org side, is that it's not just about like everybody here is, you know, either a free pool of labor or, you know, just another customer or take a ticket and, you know, we'll see you next Thursday. But like, I think there's a real playfulness to Salesforce community. And I think there's a real desire to give Salesforce employees tools to keep that, keep that relationship really lively and interesting as opposed to becoming like super tactile and very dull, you know? And I, I think like the meditation rooms and puppy force and, and, and all of these things, in addition to being just good business policy, is actually kind of part of that effort, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, there is, I think the playfulness aspect is is an interesting one that you touch on. I think you notice that a lot in Trailhead when you do trails. Mm-hmm. Like there, there, there's a silliness to it and a levity that, that I really enjoy. And I think um, I try to keep that vibe up in the community when, when I post. And, and you know, you, you mentioned our hub spokes dog, Dean Martin, you know, that there, that there are serious questions and serious things that we need to fix with a lot of our nonprofits. And I want to keep business running, but I also want there to be a sense of joy, a sense of fun um, in the hub. And I think there is that. And it's cool to see these like relationships flourish and people become, you know, real genuine friends in the hub and in real life um, from the interactions that they have around Salesforce. And I just, I think that's pretty rad and it happens so organically. It it makes me, it makes me tickled on a daily basis. (laughs) We talked about this in the pre-show and I'm not going to quite ask the question in the way that we were talking about it, but um you know, what do you see as, you know, the 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 top sort of good acting behavior in the hub that you like to highlight? And what are the things that just sort of make you put your sort of palm to your forehead? And I'll <laughs> seed one on that list. And that is when somebody has a question and they just sort of spam every single group on the hub. Because yeah, I think I've sent yeah. you like 500 things. I'm like, no, I moderate this group and this would never get answered here. No, I moderate this group and this would never get answered here. So like my pet peeve is the one where it's like, I have a question and I'm just going to at mention every single group in the hub because I want my question answered. But I'm sure you see it from a bigger lens. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that actually, the at mentioning every single group bothers me less than when they actually go and ask the question in every single group. (laughs) 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 Because then I have to go in and (laughs) move it all around. At least if they at mention every single group, I can edit and figure out which ones are are good. But when they, uh, yeah, when, when I see the same question in my feed, you know, (laughs) <laughs> six or seven times and I know I'm going to have to go in. And the main thing is for, for a customer's or partner, whoever's posting the question, I would hope that a partner would not do that, but you never know. You never know. Um, 
a customer post that, I want them to get all of their answers and all of their information on that one question feed. And if they post it in a bunch of different groups, they're not going to get that. So I just, I like to be sure that they're seeing everything all in one place so they can see, you know, what Tracy said, what Tim said, what Joni said, all in the same feed. Um, And because uh, the way it works, you know how Salesforce can be. People have super different answers to the same questions. So I think it's important to see that stuff side by side. Um, the things I, I, I like the one thing is like the camaraderie and the, like that people really genuinely want to help each other. And I love, you'll see someone like a Christian Carter get really deep with people. Like he will go in and it will be, you know, 15 responses back and forth and really digging into their question. And, and I love to see that people really care to ensure that someone's question gets answered and that they fix that. And I just think that's cool because these nonprofits don't have the money to be, you know, spending that on a consultant, you know, and, and using their money for that. This is a way for them to get free help. And I also think one thing that never really gets mentioned is a lot of these nonprofit admins and higher ed admins are like the only people at their organization doing what Mm -hmm. they do yeah so they don't have like they can't walk over to so-and-so's desk and be like hey man let's workshop this problem or let's work it out or talk over lunch so these are their coworkers. these are their you know water cooler talks and it creates this way for them to have that sense of community that they don't necessarily have in their office and that their office may be a coffee shop or their you know dining room table and I, I just think it's cool that we can provide that and that we have set up this like sort of warm and fuzzy community where people are like pumped to help each other. Do you think that the hub right now, I mean, cause this is a, this is a question that I have that I go back and forth on a lot. Do you think that the hub right now is more of a tool for system administrators who are at nonprofits or more of a tool for general nonprofit information or some balance thereof? And and if so, like, where do you balance that? Because, I mean, I have my thoughts on that, but I'm, I'm curious if you think of it as one or the other, and if so, in which ratio, if you, if you get what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think in its iteration, it was definitely more geared towards system administrators and um, you know, people that were at a certain technical level, but as salesforce.org has grown and as the hub has grown and as some of our onboarding processes have changed and more people are being pushed to the hub, I think it's a combination of the two. I definitely think, you know, people are are getting pushed to the hub sooner and are learning about the hub sooner in their process of adopting Salesforce, which I think is great. But I think we need to figure out a way to make all of those people feel welcome and be funneled to the right group or the right place or the right mm. people and and find a way to have them really engage. Because I do think there there's some intimidation. I mean, the people that are really active in the hub on a daily basis are some smart smart people. And, um, I know myself, I'm intimidated from time to time to, you know, pipe in and answer a question. Cause I just know that these folks know so much and have so much background and so much knowledge. So I think one of the coolest things for me is to see those people that are those newbies that are asking, asking, asking. And then all of a sudden, you know, three or four weeks in, I see them starting to answer questions and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. Like we've, we've made the switch and um, I want to see more of that. I want to see more engagement. I want to see people really, you know, getting a learning curve up within the hub. And this is kind of a, this is kind of a different type of question, but I'm curious, do you like the technology itself? Do you like the the way that Salesforce communities run? Do you find it easy to moderate the hub using the Salesforce platform? Tim, before Ann answers that, is there any answer that she could give other than everything is fine here in the Soviet Union? Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, think about that for a minute. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, pretend that, pretend that this would not affect your job in any way, but I'm curious. <laughs> pretend we could no, get I, you fired you know, or not. You whatever. Know. <laughs> 
You know, I, I, I find it very user friendly. You know, I'm not what I consider a technical resource and I feel like I'm able to do my job with ease. So, and I think it's a pretty, pretty cool to have a living, breathing example of a community for our customers to see and play with and be a part of. So yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's great. I think my only critique of communities is that it's very, very, very hard to organize stuff. You know, like even bookmarking posts. I mean, I gave up bookmarking posts because I realized there was no way for me to organize my bookmarks. You know, so I, I think that's my only critique of it. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about that. And, and I'm not surprised by your answer because I find that at the size of at that size, working with that number of, you know, logins, how many, how many customers um, log in to the power of us hub? And there's uh, a login. You mean on a daily basis or just, yeah. I mean, how many, how many users are there and how many log in? Like, so what we, are some have, of those we have 30,000 members um, around that neighborhood right now. And I do run numbers uh, every month. And we have, um, you know, I, I can get you some more specific numbers. I didn't put my stats in front of me today. But, um, you know, I'd say we have a group of, you know, five to 6,000 people that are really committed and invested. Um, and then there's people that check in more occasionally. Um, but it's nice. That's something I'm kind of looking forward to in the future is, is growing that everyday user base and those people that kind of check it every day and are really want to be a part of the community beyond more than getting their own questions answered and also see it be more of just a hub (laughs) of information for salesforce.org customers to find all sorts of things so you know get other areas of business in there and and that's kind of you know a vision that i would like to see moving forward I mean, the, I think that's that's what is interesting about it because when you look at other collaboration tools like Slack, you know, or or other other ways that groups engage an online community, I feel like I feel like what Salesforce has created in communities is, you know, is pretty astonishing in what it yeah. can do, and it can it can do less, but there is, you know, there are there aren't that many that can do as much. Um, you know, uh, and still integrate with, with your backend, um, information, you know, your, with your CRM. Um, and I feel like that's, I don't know, it's interesting to me as I start talking with, mm-hmm. with nonprofits about mm-hmm. alumni communities or donor communities or volunteer communities. Um, I do, I, I do think about, is this the right technology? And it feels like what you can do with it is really powerful. So anyway, I know that that is not a free answer. Like you can, you do sort of have to say, yeah, I like the technology, but I, it does actually seem like it works pretty well. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Most of the changes that I've seen coming on board, even as just a platform with communities have been around making the experience of administering and, you know, operating communities easier every time there's a new seasonal yeah. release. So yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I, I certainly there are technical nuances to communities that, you know, to this day and age will just make us all kind of like groan. But at the same time, if you're using the tool as an administrator, as you are trying to navigate a community, it's, it's amazing. And yeah, there are very few, there are very few out there that can do that. When it's quiet on cloud TNT, we like to all imagine that we're drinking. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, I'm seeing Joni do some shots right there. I am. Yeah. <laughs> Joni being the only one of us that actually drinks. <laughs> <laughs> I'll join you for a cocktail, Joni. I don't drink shots. I'll go, I'll go for a, a glass of wine. Yeah, I think I'm a little too old for shots myself. <laughs> okay, so here's a question. You know, you're talking about the hub being 30,000 people. I feel like myself personally... The hub was, for me, this kind of odd extension of what was once that giant Google group that many of us oh were members gosh. of. And <laughs> the Google group. Can we just take a moment for the Google group? <laughs> yeah, just that thing was, that was a rare beast. And, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we have the hub 
because that thing was just wild and out of control. To my point about technology that can handle it. Well, oh my gosh. You know, you get a question and then like oh, you get 62 emails saying, is this an appropriate question? Why are you asking this question? And then like in one of those 62, you would get your answer and then you're like, all right. right. Yeah. And half of those would be this got asked four years ago in December, yeah. you know, read, read, read other answers first. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Which in Google, yes. it was like fundamentally impossible to, yes. you know, read an answer from four years ago in December. There was just no way that was going to happen, <laughs> you know, uh, and it, you know, so that was the other, you know, that was 80% of those 62 answers oh, was read the group. Don't you read? Don't you know how to read? <laughs> Um, which we still honestly suffer a little bit of in the, huh? <laughs> but not nearly, not nearly like, you know, but anyway. So I, I guess where I'm going with this question, Anne, is, you know, in the next, like I said, I I feel like I've been a member of the hub since it was like a thousand members. So for me going there now is like, you know, it's like when you were playing SimCity, you know? You know, you've got your city and it's now the year 2040 and everything is good and you have an urban planning network and, a, you know, good transit and all that good stuff. Um, I think I just dated myself with that. But um, <laughs> how fast is the hub growing? And, you know, what do you see as growth issues for the hub? Because... I'm now following 70 groups and I used to follow five, you know, wow. for example. Wow. Right. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I think the growth issues are the issues that kind of any community faces um, to your point about groups. You know, we want to be sure that if someone starts a group that they're, you know, really able to maintain it and upkeep it and provide, you know, useful content to folks in the group and that we're not creating, um, you know, a bunch of groups around the same topic. I, Wait, you know, once I we like... create a group, it's not on you to just maintain it for us? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I assume that's what your job was. Yeah. Oh, here you go. Uh, <laughs> no, actually, once you start a group, that is your own group, and you get to provide it with all the love and care that, that, you, that you so see fit. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that's one thing. I also think, uh, you know, just trying to find a place for people that are at every point in their Salesforce journey um, and make sure they feel comfortable and excited and not intimidated. And um, yeah, what we don't have a lot of is like problems like other communities have like spam and, and bullying and any of those things. And we talked a little bit about that earlier, but I, I have to credit uh, my manager, Alicia Schmidt, because she just kind of created this really great vibe from the beginning where, you know, this was a place to help each other and to help each other achieve our missions. And, you know, it's it's really a very healthy community from a, a, a user standpoint and from a community management standpoint. Uh, so, I, you know. I think I, I think I might have meandered away from the question there a little bit, but I hope I, I got to what you were asking for. No, and I want to say a big thanks to Alicia as well for the very hard work of being the transition person from the unruly Google group days <laughs> to the hub. And that was that that was a crazy season. I remember I remember that. And I'm so thankful that you know that you guys set the tone and that she was willing to follow through and kind of help help us partners figure out what to and what not to put in the hub. I just feel like it has created that non-salesy we're here to help each other, you know. This is this is about um this is about seeing people be being successful in their environments and it's been really amazing to to see how that's happened. So, good job on that. Yeah, I, I think Alicia's done a great job. And for me, it's just, it's so exciting every day to see these new organizations joining and to learn about what they're doing. Like, it just gives me as a community manager, this cool opportunity to like, oh, whoa, I didn't know that existed. I didn't know this organization did this or that, or, you know, hey, this new organization joined recently that is um, going on college campuses and educating counseling centers about how to work with sexual assault and how to help 
you know, prevent it and to work with victims. And it was this really cool, you know, platform that they'd put together. And it was like something that I never would have discovered otherwise, because, you know, I'm not at a university and it's just not the kind of thing I would have come across. And it just, I, I thought what they were doing was so awesome and impactful. And I just love that I get to learn about all these new organizations every day. Yeah, I'm looking at the the groups tab that was just added to the hub just for my own login. And yeah, it really has grown. It, it's wow. To your point about uh, the tone of the hub, I think you and I have bantered around emails before about like tone and approach and that sort of thing. I know, with regard mm-hmm. to how the hub kind of feels. But I do have to say that I think one of the very special things about the hub is that um, I was in my sort of pre Salesforce Landia days, a technology manager. And there were other companies that were trying to create, you know, for lack of a better term, communities around their tools and around their software. But the the tone of that was so very much hostile and and frankly overtly sexist in some ways Ooh, that interesting it really made me feel like you know i didn't really have a place to ask questions where i needed to be so i do think there is a lot of meat to what you're saying about creating a tone in our community that is really supportive because one of the things that I've noticed is that when the entire community kind of focuses on being open and welcoming, I think it really does make it a more safe, open and welcoming entry point for a lot of women in technology. Um, because I know what being part of an unsafe, hostile sort of bromance, like hard code, you know, like can I talk to your manager, you dumb bimbo kind of community looks like through, you know, other eras in my own life. Yeah, I mean, I think also just like being the home of girl forces has, has helped that, you know, the, that women in tech has, has had this, this space and this voice within the community I know has been cool for, for me coming into the world of technology and learning more and feeling welcome. Um, and, and also raising a little girl, too, to feel like, hey, look, look at all these badass women doing really cool tech stuff, you know? Uh, it makes me excited. I can just imagine, by the way, somebody saying, can I talk to your manager, Bimbo? Like, I'm like, I, yeah, that would be really I've had it said on uh, customer support calls, uh, believe it or not. Like, you know, like the support rep actually did say, I'm not sure I'm talking to the right person at your organization. Can I please speak to the person who's actually in charge of your technology? (laughs) And I was like, huh? Okay. Huh? Wow. So I'm curious about if there's any dirt that your moderation rules keep the rest of us from seeing. Oh, Um, actually, no, actually, no. Um, and I, I don't actually take anything down without first notifying the poster to date safe Harbor. <laughs> um, there just hasn't been anything that, you know, egregious. Uh, there are things that I, you know, I call people on pretty quickly that I'll say, and it's generally not even take this down. It's, you know, remove this group tag or, you know, put it in the appropriate place. Um, and you know, it's, it's because I want people, you know, partners to feel like they can promote their own stuff, but it needs to be done in the right place. But yeah, it it rarely happens. I actually, I meet regularly with uh, some of the dot-com community managers and they have much more of a struggle with that. And, and when I show them the hub and they look at the conversations in there, they're kind of, they do like this sigh of like, whoa, like this is everything's so happy here. So I've seen that in the success community. I know what you're talking about too. (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's very different and you know when you go into other communities for other you know technologies it's just it's different and and like we said you know I think we we credit Alicia and and the way things were started that it's just kind of continued down that path it reminds me of the end of Mean Girls you know (laughs) 
Yes. Lindsay Lohan film. Like we're not going to let uh, new mean girls come in and ruin the, uh, the happy little world we've created. I'm glad I was able to reference Yoda and mean girls in the same. I know podcast. in the same episode, I'm like Tracy's over there already writing the blurb because that is so <laughs> I perfect. That's, I, it's that's really, awesome. wow. Just occasionally you meet people who just humble your own geekery and wow. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> So if you had free reign, you know, what's the thing that you would add, change, create, move forward, edit, do with the hub? Like what would be, you know, what's part of your personal strategic plan for the hub next? I want to take those people that log in a few times and make them everyday users. And how I go about that, I, I don't know that I've completely wrapped my head around yet. But that's sort of my goal for this coming year is, you know, you know, is it part of their onboarding process? Do we need to start onboarding people in cohorts? Do we need to be giving more individualized welcoming attention? Like, what can we do to get them from being someone who asks a question once to somebody who's really using it as a way to grow their Salesforce knowledge and to help their organization's technology grow? That's the big thing I'd like to do is is not, I don't necessarily care if we grow beyond that 30,000 number, but I want to take the users we have and engage them more deeply. And I'd like to see the hub be a place where, you know, people can run business processes and do all sorts of things beyond just it being a help community. So, you know, we'll see kind of what, what the future holds. Um, you know, with Salesforce.org has grown a great deal in the two years that I've been there. So, I think, you know, we're all still kind of excited and learning about what's next. That's cool. I I mean, I have no idea like where our community is going to go next, but I do know that this year in particular, we have made such great strides moving community into the spotlight at salesforce.org. That's really nice to hear. Yeah. So I know you came from nonprofits. Uh What type of causes? are you most drawn to now and where do you find yourself giving your six days of Salesforce time to? Um, I mean, on a larger scale, you know, kind of human rights, civil rights stuff is, is lately really passionate about what I've done a lot of work with in the past is workforce development and education. Um, I volunteer with reading partners. Uh, so I do, you know, tutor, a an awesome second grader we read harry potter this last school year which was super fun um and i like that um i i think especially in california i'd like to see the playing field more equal in the world of education and i think that that will help with a lot of these other kind of injustices that we have going on in the world and in the united states most recently so those are the things that are 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 big for me i think my feminist bone has been, you know, tickled and more <laughs> ready for action uh, in recent years than it has as I've, I've grown up and learned more and and become a mom of a little girl um, that I, I kind of see some of the things going on. But um, that's the problem with being the manager of a nonprofit focused community is that I learn about a new cause and something I need to get behind every day. So it's like, ha, ah, what's next? What's next? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of things that I'm passionate and excited about, but yeah, in the past I worked mostly in workforce development and, and education. Okay. So for our listeners who have recently joined the hub or maybe are not that active in the hub, what groups should they be part of to kind of see the questions and follow the conversations and get helpful advice? Oh, good question. I think that sort of a catch-all I like to think of is our system administrators group. I often tell new customers to scroll through that group and kind of see what kinds of questions are getting answered and what, you know, themes are coming up. I think that's interesting. Also, the getting started with Salesforce group for new people is great uh, to kind of ask those newbie questions and have a place that they're a little less intimidated by. I also recently uh, merged the App Exchange group and the Consumer Reports group into one group. 
called App Advice and Consumer Reports. And the reason behind that is I felt like Consumer Reports was just the coolest group and it wasn't getting the love and attention it deserved. So I wanted it to kind of live with all of the other app information. And what Consumer Reports is, is a place where community members can go in and talk about the apps that they're using and uh, write reviews on them and uh, talk about their experience installing them and just talk about the good, bad, and the ugly. And I just think it's so cool that people are willing and excited to share that kind of information and get each other's help. Um, so I, I would love to see that highlighted more moving forward. Um, and then what I've been really excited about lately is folks kind of running their events out of the hub. You mentioned the dream in conference coming up, uh, the Tahoe Dreaming Conference and like really putting, you know, the call for speakers in their event group and, uh, you know, all of the highlights and stuff coming up. And I think it's cool because then you'll see people before the event posting and saying, hey, who wants to get together for dinner? Or, Did you see this thing? Or don't miss that. And it's just a cool way to communicate before, during and after events. So uh, I'd like to see more of that in the future, too. I'm surprised you didn't say the cloud TNT group is, you know. The yeah. cloud. <laughs> yeah. Come on, where's the love? Oh God. <laughs> Do you know off the top of your head which groups have the most activity? Yeah, I do. Um, system administrators, nonprofit success pack, and volunteers for Salesforce actually get a lot of questions. And those are the most, and then some of the, like the sector higher ed group, which is private, gets uh, quite a bit of stuff. But yeah, we, we definitely kind of pull all those numbers. We try to get, you know, an idea of what's going on and what's working and not working and tweak and, and figure out how to, how to keep things running on a day-to-day basis. That's cool. I will confess that when the hub first started, I was one of the, 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 the Google group skeptics. I was one of the people who is like, no, we have a Google group. It answers all our questions. Why do we need the hub, man? Um, and, you know, for all the reasons that Tim and I were laughing about earlier with the Google group, I think it's been really a privilege to watch the hub grow up um, and become what it is. It has. And you have been an amazing community leader person, which I have to say, Alicia's shoes are big shoes to fill. And <laughs> yeah. I I would not have wanted to follow her in that position. But you just stepped right in and made the name for yourself. And you're you're just doing a really fantastic job. So thank you for all the hours that you put in and that all that you do for the community. It's pretty awesome. Well, thank you so much. I I couldn't do it without the community members. So thank you guys so much. And it's a pleasure to work with you and all the other hubbers on a daily basis. Well, we, we usually wrap up the broadcast by asking you what is your favorite app for nonprofits, but you (laughs) told us that you refuse to have a favorite just like my mom claimed that <laughs> she didn't have a favorite child when clearly I was the favorite. Um, so we'll just talk about our favorite app for the nonprofits, which is one of our favorite apps is AppSona, who is our sponsor for today. Neat. AppSona is awesome and we love them. And I just built out a really cool AppSona mail merge for end of year tax receipts with the table in it that had a list of each individual donation and the total number of donations or the total amount of donations at the bottom. And I merged that for 4,000 people. He just said the best word. (laughs) Right on the show. That's awesome. Cut that out. (laughs) If if there's a, if there's a time that you say it, it's when you're doing receipts for 4,000 people. (laughs) Well, I, yeah, I just love sure. the fact that, like, I have the reputation as the most risque member on this entire show, but it's actually you two that say all the stuff. So that, that's great, man. That's great. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I will say. <laughs> so I think we should say where we used AppSona. I, yeah. earlier today, was using AppSona to populate a sandbox because the import features 
in AppSona are so great. And something people may not know is that when you go to import, this is like no other tool out there. When you find the four to 8,000 mistakes that are in your import file, you can immediately fix those within that import by either doing find and replace or re-referencing columns or removing or adding columns. Like It's amazing. You don't have to redo the entire CSV to make it work. So um, yeah, AppSona, I use it all the time. It's a really great app. Cannot say enough about it. I have um, I found great success with AppSona and brand new uh, system administrators for whom the the concept of other tools is just very difficult. Um, one of the things that it does is it keeps system administrators inside of Salesforce, and I think as a newbie sysadmin, that's really a very important experience, um, and for them to be able to express their power uh, with AppSona in that way is is really supportive of them feeling like, wow, I can actually make a difference for my company's data. Awesome. So there's well, some Well, thanks love. again for being part of the show, Anne. It thank was you a for having Thanks for joining us. It was a lot of fun. And thank you to our listeners who faithfully listen to us throughout our diatribes and non sequiturs. You can find us and talk to us by tweeting us at CloudTNT or Facebooking us also at CloudTNT. You can find us on the webs at www.cloudtnt.com and you can email us at info at cloudtnt.com and Tracy has barred me from giving out her number um, but I'm just going to go ahead and give out Tim's number which <laughs> oh my is gosh. five. No, I'm just kidding. Thanks for listening, and we couldn't do it without our listeners and our awesome sponsors. So thanks all, and have a wonderful rest of your day.